I'd like to introduce again our speaker uh, that's going to be presenting today, David Souther. He's been with us several times before. Those of you who might know, David is president of Eventail, one of the major missionary efforts this class participates in and sponsoring. David, please share with us a word from God. Okay? If you will go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. We're going to cover verses 6 and 7 today. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Really need you to, uh, to turn to that because we're really going to zone in on these two verses. Um, I love the fall, and there are three reasons why I love the fall. Uh, first, fall temperatures. And I'm looking forward to cooler days and a little break from the broiler that is a Texas summer. Second reason I love fall is because of the fall foliage. Now, I'm from East Tennessee, and how many of you guys have been in East Tennessee in the fall? Raise your hands. Well, you know what I'm talking about. It is God's masterpiece. Oranges, reds, yellows, it's beautiful. Still get a little of that here in Texas, and I'm looking forward to that. The third thing I love about fall is football. However, given the way this year is going with the Cowboys, I may have to let that, lay that one aside and just take two out of three. So I do want to give some of you ladies an alternative. Some of you ladies are thinking, I don't care anything about football anyway. And some of you Cowboy fans are like, well, I don't know how this season's going to go. And some of you are fans of other teams and probably rooting against the Cowboys. But let me give you an alternative. If you'll take your hand out and flip it over to the second page, where you see the word beautifully written, Inspire. Inspire is Evantel's uh, luncheon we have. This is going to be our second one. It's going to be for women on Thursday, October the 25th, down at the Dallas Arboretum from 11.45 to 1.30. Now, you may think, man, the Arboretum, that's a long way down there, but let me, let me uh, give you a couple of things you might want to consider. First of all, our speaker is Rebecca Carroll. Now, how many of you listen to KCBI 90.9? Anybody? It's my favorite Christian radio station here in the Metroplex. Uh, Rebecca is the one in the morning who's all chipper and hyper at 6.15. Now, I don't know what she's drinking. I don't know what she's taking to be that hyper at 6.15. But needless to say, she's a very energetic speaker. And, we're going to, of course, with Evangel, it's going to be about evangelism. But it's going to be particular how your identity in Christ will impact your evangelism. And so I, want you, I, I invite you guys to come. It's going to be a wonderful lunch. Many of you know Allison Lowry our development director who puts these things together. She does a wonderful job. It's going to be a good time of food, fellowship, and after the event, you are free to go along. You are free to go out into the Arboretum the rest of the day. So food, fellowship, and it's free. Last year we went, and they were decorated for fall. Guess how many pumpkins they said they had at the Arboretum? 80,000. Now, I have no idea what they do with all those pumpkins after fall. I don't know how you recycle them, if you can use them for fertilizer. I don't know. Maybe they can use them to fill seats in Cowboy Stadium. I don't know. But it's going to be a wonderful day. Just remember, Inspire, 
Thursday, October 25th from 11.45 to 1.30. If you're interested, um, you will see a link, evantel.org slash inspire2008. You can go there and register. And for those of you that are old school, want to do it the old-fashioned way, I've put Allison's number and email down at the bottom for you to sign up. Sign up as soon as you can because spots are filling up. But we got plenty of room for you at this point. Would love to see you guys there. Let me open us uh, up in a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day you've given us. Lord, we really thank you for the rain. But Lord, I'm thankful that it's not raining today. And just a great day to enjoy the weather and enjoy uh, your presence with us. Lord, thank you for what you have taught me uh, during my study this week uh, for this. Lord, I pray that you would use me to share what you want the people here to know based on your word. Thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And we look forward to what you're going to do and what you're going to say during this time. So we lift this up to you for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I just turned 49 years old. And 49 is one of those weird ages that you're not really, really young and you're not really, really old. And in fact, it depends on who you're asking. Uh, about two weeks ago, my youngest daughter, who's 10, came up to me and just out right of the blue said, Dad, you, get, you know, you're getting really old. 49 is old. And I was like, well, you know, I'm not sensitive about my age. But it was funny because the next day I went to lunch with someone who was in their 80s. And he looked at me and said, man, you're just a young whippersnapper. So it really depends on who you ask, I guess, when you're around middle age. And of course, um, you know, I know I'm getting older because someone told me next year when I turn 50, I am eligible to join AARP. <laughs> and you know, that's one of the advantages of, of growing older. You get those discounts. And I'm all about them. I don't have, you know, I've just put my pride aside. I'll ask for my senior citizen's discount at McDonald's, Dunkin' Donuts. Hey, the sooner the better. And, and let, me, let me let you in on a little secret. I'm already taking advantage of senior citizen discounts. About three years ago, Larry Moyer, who many of you know, who's our CEO, took me out to, to breakfast. And we went to IHOP. And I was looking at the menu. Larry leans over and says, David, you know that you can order off the senior menu. You don't have to be a senior. And I was like, Really? He said, sure, and I flipped over, and there was an omelet exactly like the other omelet I was looking at, but for three less dollars. So the waitress walked up, and I sheepishly said, I'd like the senior omelet. She said, okay, no problem. So I've been ordering off the senior menu at IHOP since that time and sharing the secret with others. In fact, I went out with a young man who was in his 20s. He ordered off the senior. <laughs> so it's funny. Well, you know, so, so growing older has its advantages. Uh, you get the discounts. You get to enjoy your kids, your grandkids. And, you know, when your grandkids act up, you can hand them back to their parents. And then, of course, when, when you get older, you, you, you have Wisdom. Wisdom. Um, someone defined the, the wisdom as the ability to make good decisions. And someone else said, good decisions, the ability to make good decisions, comes from experience. Experience comes from making bad decisions. <laughs> so you've got some advantages with growing older. But growing older has its challenges as well. 
your health and what your health is going to do, what it's currently doing, what it's going to do is a concern. You know, my dad, I would, I talked to him off the, on the phone every week since I've moved to Dallas back in 2001. And we used to talk about his business, sports. You know what the topic is these days? His health. In fact, we talked about 10 minutes on Friday just on the topic of sleep apnea and the sleep apnea machines. Then I got on the phone with my mom and she talked about how the sleep apnea machine was blowing air on her and (laughs) they were going to have to resolve this. So health becomes a concern. So does money. Am I going to have enough money to make it if I live to be in my 80s, 90s, or even longer? So the challenges are health, money, And, of course, your kids and grandkids, you love them, you appreciate them, you love spending time with them, but it can also multiply the worries you have. Because sometimes when your kids and grandkids are going through stuff, you feel like you're going through the same thing. So it has challenges, but this is is what I'd like to share with you today. Many of us, the biggest problem that we face in growing older are not the challenges that we actually face. Let me say that again. The biggest challenges are not these challenges that I've just listed, but in dealing with the fear, worry, and anxiety about these changes. Let me say that again. Your biggest challenge going into you know, your older years is not necessarily your health, your money, your kids and grandkids. Your greatest challenge for some of you can be the worry, anxiety, and fear and dealing with that that you have about those changes. And so why is that a big challenge? Well, they say, uh, doctors say that fear, worry, and anxiety affects your body. It actually weakens your immune system, makes you more prone to viruses, bacteria, and even aches and pains. It affects your body, it affects your mind, because it's a source of depression. Um, Worry leads to anxiety, which is a chronic thing. It affects your body, mind, and it affects your spirit. It can steal your joy like that. Uh, Proverbs says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. Now, I've not come here today to give you one more thing to worry about. You may say, David, i got enough to worry about. I don't need to worry about worry. I've not come to give you something more to worry about. I've come to give you God's prescription for worry. Now, when you're sick, what do you do? You go to the doctor. And more often than not, what does the doctor do? He writes you a prescription. Now, you may not be able to read his handwriting, But you take it to the pharmacist. The pharmacist somehow can read the writing. I guess that's a class they take in pharmacy school. And they give you medicine to help you get better. Well, in the same way, God has given us a prescription for worry. And it's right there in front of you in your Bibles. And you can read it. And if you can't read it, let me me encourage you to invest in a large print Bible. (laughs) And you may say, David, how dare you say that? I'm using a large print Bible, so I can say it. So it's right there. Let me read it to you. Verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, 
And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Let me break this down for you. Let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to break this down. We're going to walk through these verses. Then I'm going to apply these verses. I might tell one story and then we'll go home. Okay, deal? We may even get out early. So let's dive in. Very first clause there, look at it. The Lord, uh, the Lord is at hand, verse 5. Do not be anxious about anything. Think of verse 6 as God's command. Think of verse 7 as God's promise. Verse 6, verse six is God's command. Verse 7 will be God's promise. Let's look at the command first. Be anxious, do not be anxious about anything. This is an imperative. It's like if you were in the army and you were marching and the drill sergeant says, Halt, guess what? You better stop. Don't you move forward one more inch. So what Paul is saying here in this scripture is, if you're worrying or you're anxious about anything, stop it right now. Halt. Stop. Why? Because anxiety is bad for us. And God knows it's bad, bad for us. That word anxious there, do not be anxious about anything, that word anxious means a divided mind. It means a mind that's being pulled apart. Now, have you ever talked with someone and in the conversation you realize they're not listening to a thing you're saying? Why is that? Because they have a divided mind. You can tell the lights are on, but nobody's home. Why? Because they're thinking about something else. And many of you women, unfortunately, can identify with this. When your husband comes home and you start talking, how does he answer you sometimes? Mm-hmm. Mm. Let me tell you from experience, sometimes that means that we're listening, but sometimes it means, hmm, I'm thinking about something else, but I'm going to pretend like I'm listening. Why? Because your mind is divided. Now, how does this work? How does this divided mind, pulled apart mind work? Well, as you go throughout the day, maybe you're worried about something that happened in the past. You're thinking about something. Oh, if only this were different. Or, oh, man, I regret that. And you're worried about something in the past. Guess what? When you're worried about something in the past, you're unable to enjoy the present. Or maybe some of you are worried about the future. You're thinking, man, what if this happens? What a, how, am I, how am I going to do this? How am I going to cope with this? And you're worried about what's going to happen in the future. Guess what? You're not able to be in the present. In fact, someone said, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. It's having that divided mind. Some of us think worry actually helps us solve problems. Hey, I'm a worry. You may say I'm a worrier because it helps me think things through. It helps me figure that out. So I've covered all my bases. The problem with that is that 92%, 92% of what we worry about, guess what? Never happens. So we waste our time, we waste our resources solving problems in advance for things that aren't even going to happen. And it robs today of its strength, and it pulls resources for here and now. And you may say, hey, I worry about others just to let them know I care about them. 
You know, I, I do the worrying. You know, my my sons, my grandsons, man, I worry about them. But it's the way I tell. You know, it's the way that I show my love toward them. You know what? When you worry for someone else, you're not really helping them at all. You know why? Because you're focused so much on the problems that you forget about the person. You forget about the person. In fact, there are certain family members that I even think twice about calling. I call them, but I think all they're going to do is bring up that problem and want to know all about it and talk all about that problem, and they're going to miss just the personal interaction with me. These are all reasons why we worry, Um, and we think worry accomplishes something, that we're actually getting something done. But in fact, we're not getting anything done. Someone said worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. That's the way worry is. So Paul says, do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. In other words, let me say this again, do not be anxious about anything. No matter how small. Are you saying, David, are we to bring everything before the Lord? Even little things? Yes. Because little things can start adding up. And start pulling attention away from God to our problems. I love to hike. And I don't know how many of you guys go, have been down to Arbor Hills on Parker. But it's a wonderful place to go hike. And I go hiking at least twice a day. At least it's the Texas version of hiking, okay? (laughs) I'm I'm from Tennessee, so I'm used to going this way. In Texas, you're going about this way, going up a hill. And you know what I notice? Sometimes I'll be hiking and I'll get the awfulest pain in my foot. You know why? Because a little rock has gotten into my shoe. And it's kept me from going forward. Just a little tiny rock can be a big thing when you're hiking a long way. In the same way, just a little worry, just a little care, just a little concern can build and build and build like a snowball. And before you know it, it's all you're thinking about. So Paul says, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication... Let your request be made known to God. In other words, that word but there means instead of being anxious, let me give you something to replace that with. Bring everything uh, by prayer, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Now let's walk through this. But in everything by prayer and supplication... Supplication simply means you're going before the Lord. You're going into God's throne room asking Him to supply your needs. But He doesn't just say supplication because sometimes we think prayer is just taking your list of things that you need God to handle to God, reading them to God, and then you're done with prayer. But as many of you know, prayer is much, much more than going to God with a list. In fact, someone told me a great acronym for prayer. It's the word ACTS. And, and if you've got a pen, write this down. You may already know it, but if you don't, write the word ACTS, like ACTS, the book of the Bible. A-C-T-S. The word A there stands for adoration. 
adoration. When you come before the Lord and you're praising him and you're adoring. And I encourage you whenever you pray to open your prayer with adoration for God. Worship because God inhabits the praises of his people. It's like you're going into the throne room of the King of kings and Lord of lords. And you come praising him, thanking him. Now, what's that got to do with worry? Because the more you focus on the Lord and you put all those worries aside by faith and you come before the Lord and worship him in all his majesty and all his glory, guess what? God in your mind gets really, really big. And guess what happens to your problems? They start to shrink in comparison to the majesty and loveliness of God. So adoration, C, is confession. Confession of sin. Coming before the Lord saying, Lord, I've blown it. Because you know what happens when we sin and we don't keep short accounts with God? You know what happens? Our, our thoughts start to get fuzzy. Our minds start to get muddled. And our problems get larger because we haven't come before the Lord to confess our sins because He is faithful and just to forgive us our, our sins when we confess them and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, sin will, will mess you up and it will mess your ability to be able to perceive things clearly the way God sees them. So it's important to adore Him, praise Him, but also confess your sins before him. And you know what? Some of the stuff you're worried about could be as a result of some sin in your own life. It's so good to come before the Lord and to confess it and let him wash you clean. Um, so adoration, confession. And by the way, one of the biggest sins we can confess but we rarely do is the sin of worry and the sin of anxiety. You know, we want to major on the big sins, adultery lying, cheating, but worry itself is a sin as well. Where we move away from God in fear, where we should be drawing near to Him in faith. Worry is a big deal to God and it's one of the sins we confess. So we have adoration, confession, T is thanksgiving, and that's right here in the verse. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Why is Thanksgiving important? Because it's like the old hymn used to say, count your blessings, name them one by one. And it's so, you know, in my own life, sometimes ten things can happen, nine of them can be good, one of them can be bad. Guess what I'm prone to focus on? The one thing, or the two things that go wrong, and I forget about all the blessings I have from the Lord. Uh, this past week, um, my daughter, I was driving my daughter home from school and her van died. Fortunately, it died on a hill, so we were able to coast down into a parking lot. Uh, and, and we were only about a mile and a half from my house, so my, my daughter and I looked at each other and we said, let's just, I'll get you home, let's walk home through the field, and then I'll come back and, and, and have the car towed. And I was all worried about this car. I've already sunk 2500 in it three months ago. Um, I think it's on death's door. Man, God, I didn't need another expense in my life, God. But as we walked, guess what we started doing? And it was her idea. Thank you, God, for this breeze that's cooling us off. Thank you that we only were only a mile and a half from home. 
thank you, God, that we were able to get the car in a safe place in the parking lot. And you know what happened? The more and more we started listing our blessings, guess what? The concern started to shrink and shrink and shrink. Why? Because God wants us to be thankful for the things that we have. And most of all, to be thankful for Him and His presence with us regardless of our circumstance. So remember, prayer is not just bringing your laundry list to God. And by the way, that's S, supplication. God, will you supply my needs? But it's also adoration, confession, thanksgiving. And I think that's kind of what Paul's hitting at here. Because he doesn't just list one word. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So, that's God's command. And, hang on just a minute. Request be made known to God. And some of you may be thinking, why should I let my request be made known to God? Doesn't God know everything? Why do I have to bring them to God? Well, let me give you a couple of reasons. First of all, when you bring your request to God... You're showing your humility. And you're bringing your request to God, saying, God, this is too big for me to handle. I need you to handle it. The second thing is, prayer is not just a one-way conversation. Prayer is a two-way conversation. So as you're bringing your request to God, take time to listen after each request. Because God may give you a new perspective about the situation, a new way of thinking about it, or God may give you a specific command to do in response to what you're worried about. So bring your request to God just like you would bring your request to a king because God is the king of the universe. So that's God's command. Instead of being anxious, bring things directly to him. That's the command. Let's look at the promise. Verse 7, here's the promise. If you do that, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's walk through that quickly. Verse 7, and the peace of God. That word of there kind of connotes source, the source of peace. I'm from East Tennessee, and there's a river about 15 miles from my house called the Hawassi River. Now, if any of you guys have heard of the Hawassi River, I'll be really impressed. But the Hawassi River is known for uh, two things. One I knew before I actually visited is it's a great place to go tubing. You know, guys know what tubing is, where you just get in the river, you take your tube out, you get in. The first time I ever did that, I learned the second thing that the Hawassi River is known for. It is cold as ice. You get in that water and you begin to think, what have I gotten myself into? It is so cold. Now, why is that water so cold? What would you say? Fresh out of the ground. But also, the Hawassi River comes from the Appalachian Mountains, where the snow begins to melt and it begins to run down hill. The water is cold because why? The river came from a higher source. Have you ever heard of the phrase, peace like a river? You ever wondered why people make that comparison? 
because just as the river is from a higher source, guess where true peace comes from? A higher source. Not from our ability to reason and, and think things through and make all our solutions. True peace, biblical peace, comes from a higher source, God himself. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. And I found two different ways which this can be taken, and guess what? I like both of them, so I'm going to give both of them to you. When you talk about the peace that surpasses all understanding, it's the peace that you can have despite how bad your circumstances are. Where people are looking at you, people that may not know the Lord looking at you and think, how in the world? Is she coping with this? How in the world is he dealing with this? Circumstances look so bleak, but they have this sense of peace. It surpasses all understanding. Peace that you can't explain because it comes from the Lord despite your circumstances. But I like the second one as well. The second way to take this is the peace surpasses all understanding. Because the peace does not involve God giving you a written way of dealing with the peace. In other words, okay, I'm only going to have peace, God, if I know why this is happening. Or I'm only going to have peace, God, if I know when this is going to be taken care of. Or what to do. Some of us want that those details from the Lord. You know why? Because many of you are like me, in some aspects you like control. You like control over your lives. You like to be able to predict what goes on. That's not true peace. True peace is beyond all understanding, above all our comprehension and ways. Why? Because his ways are higher than our ways. And sometimes we've just got to put our trust in God like a child puts their trust in their mother or father. Now, little two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old, do they know why they're going to be safe at night? Do they know all the reasons because daddy's got a job and we have insurance and all the details? Do they know all those details? No. Why? All they know is mom or dad is going to take care of this. And because I trust in mom or dad, we're going to be okay. Same way with God. Some of us want answers. We want to know why. We want to know when. We want to know how this is going to be resolved. But you know what? The Christian life, we don't have answers to those questions immediately. But we do put our trust, not in the why, not in the how, not in the when, but what? In the who. And that's God himself. God, I don't know all the answers. I don't know how this is. But I trust you. And I know that you love me, and I'm putting all my cares in your hands. And you as my Heavenly Father, I'm going to trust to take care of this. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, what? Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This peace he's talking about is not just an emotion. This peace is active. It will stand guard. And the word guard there means like a soldier guarding something valuable. It will actually guard your hearts. So I'm thinking this peace is actually the presence of the Holy Spirit. God Himself guarding your heart and mind. Do you have all the answers about what you're worrying about? No. But you do know Him and you trust in Him to take care of it, to give you the strength to walk through it. And if you need to know something to do or to say to someone else as far as your part of it, 
because some of you are saying, should I just give this over to God and not do anything? No. But if you're to do something, it's because you've gone to God, you've given it to Him, and you know that God wants you to do something or say something in that particular situation. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. That's the command. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Just a couple of applications. First of all, some of you are wondering, David, you're from Avantel, you're the president of Avantel, you're all about evangelism. What does this have to do with evangelism? It has a ton to do with evangelism. Here's why. Because when you have the peace that passes all understanding, there are people in your life, people that don't know the Lord that look at you and you say, man, what is different about him? What is different about her? They've got peace in their life. You ever heard of the word apologetics? And you think of apologetics as the intellectual ability to defend your faith. One of the best apologetics you can have is the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. And people see that peace in your life, and they want to know more. You know, Paul had the peace that surpassed all understanding. Why? Because you know where Paul was when he wrote this? He was in prison. If anybody had something to worry about, it was Paul. But Paul had the peace of God because he knew God had him there for a reason and he trusted the God. And, it, and, and if you go on to verse uh, chapter 4, verse 21, notice what it says. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. And all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. And those servants of Caesar that were there with Paul were led to Christ, I believe, by Paul himself. Because not only of his verbal witness, which is important, because the witness that he had the peace that surpassed all understanding. It's the ultimate apologetic. Now some of you don't have peace and you wonder why. Why don't I have peace in my life? It's because you have chosen to take your worries and cares upon yourself and you have not taken the time to stop and bring your request to God in adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication, asking God to provide. Some of you just need to slow down. Why? Because you've got anxieties and worries. You weren't designed to carry those around. You weren't designed to carry those around. Someone, um, when I first started working at Avantel, um, they found out we were given, there was a tract that wasn't so good, and we thought, we got to get this out of inventory. We're not making any money out of it. So we had 120,000 tracks, tons of boxes, almost two palletfuls full of boxes. A guy called up and said, man, I'd love to take those off your hands. Do you know what he showed up in? A Chevy S10, which is a tiny little truck. And I said, are you sure you want to get these, get, take these tracks? He said, absolutely. We loaded those tracks on that truck, and that truck back the, the the bed of that truck was about that far from the ground he tried to drive out of the parking lot sparks going everywhere and he stopped just before he pulled out why because that truck was not designed to carry that weight and some of you here today are carrying around anxieties worries guess what you're not designed to carry those you need to give those to the lord why because the Lord can carry them for us. And God's actually asking 
to carry those in our stead. The guy should have come with an F-150 or an F-350. So we're not designed to do that. Some of us just need to go before the Lord and lay them out before the Lord and leave them there. Because why? Sometimes we leave them there, but we want to run back and get them and worry about it the next day. There's times during days when things get so stressful, I have to go before the Lord every 30 minutes and relay them right at His feet. And that's okay, as long as you just keep doing that. And the more you do it, the more your faith will build and give you strength. Now, some of you have brought your request to God, but you're wondering, did God actually hear my prayer? Does God actually listen Well, let me tell you, God immediately answers every prayer we bring to Him. And some of you are thinking, really? I haven't seen the answer. Sometimes God's answer is yes. Sometimes God's answer is no. Sometimes God's answer is slow. Yes, no, slow. Now, why does God sometimes answer our prayer very slowly. Well, the, the, the time span between when we actually bring a request to God and the time He answers it in whatever we wants to, that time is a time that we build our faith. We build our faith and trust in the Lord. And um, I can remember when we moved to Dallas back in 2001, God called me mid-career I want to say kicking and screaming, out of a job where I was making good money, I was giving money to the church, but God kept laying on my heart, David, this is not what I have for you. I want you to serve me in ministry. And finally I surrendered to that. I worked myself out of a job and moved here to go to Dallas Seminary in 2001. In preparation for that, we knew school started in August. We put our house on the market in March to be ready. March went by. April went by, May went by, June went by, and we knew we were going to have to move in July. We found a place here. We moved, but I was making rent payments, and I was making house payments. And I've spent many a sleepless night worried about this, thinking, God, is this house ever going to sell? Because I felt like, God, if I just lower the price, and I felt like, no, don't lower the price. This is market value. You keep the price where it is, David. I'll take care of your house. Well, during that time, you know, I start seminary. I'm working full time. And, I mean, we're really scraping to put things together to have food on the table. But God saw us through. And we had just enough money in our savings account to make that extra mortgage payment every month until December. That would be the last mortgage payment we could make. And in January, I thought, all right, Lord, what am I going to have to do? Take out a second mortgage to pay my first mortgage? I don't even know if that's legal. And it's like God just he gave me peace and I'm taking care of this. December came and I thought, Lord, here we are. We're at the edge of the cliff. This is the last money I have in savings. That house sold the 28th of December. (laughs) That house sold for 35% more than I paid for it. We were able to take the proceeds of that 35%, put them in a money market account that I drew down on while I was in seminary in addition to what I was working full time. Do you know when that money market ran out? 
the very month I graduated seminary. Now, think back to March when I put it on the market. Could God have immediately taken care of it then? Absolutely. Absolutely. But God did something even more important than providing for my need at that time, my physical need uh, of money. He started to build my faith and my trust in Him, teaching me to walk by faith and not by sight. And to let me know, David, your biggest concern in life is not money. It's not your health. David, your biggest concern is your relationship with me and your trust in me that I'm going to take care of you and that I'm going to see you through and I'm going to lead you and guide you like a shepherd with a sheep all the days of your life. God had something bigger in mind. And I could tell you story after story after story. I'm not going to. I'll save you that. But that's just a little example. Does it always work out like that? No. Sometimes it's a no. Sometimes it's something that I look back on and I think, thank God that didn't work out. Have you heard that song by Garth Brooks, Thank You, Lord, for Unanswered Prayers? He's thinking back to all the women he dated and he was praying that he would marry them. But then, you know, decades went by and he looks at it and he says, man, thank you, God, you didn't answer that prayer. (laughs) You know, sometimes, you know, we're like kids. We think, hey, this would be great. Having candy every day for dinner would be a wonderful thing. But sometimes God says, no, that's not my plan for you. Finally, some, some of you are here tonight, today, and you're thinking, man, you know, this whole thing doesn't make sense to me. And it's because some of you may not have a relationship with God. Maybe there's never been a time in your life where you've come before the Lord and say, God, I'm a sinner. I'm guilty as charged. But Lord, I'm putting my faith and trust in you to save me because I know Jesus took my punishment for me. He took my sin upon Himself when He died on the cross. He died for my sin. He rose from the dead. And I put my trust in Him that He is the only way to heaven. Some of you may not have done that. Let me assure you that in order to enjoy the peace of God, in order to have the peace of God, you at some point in your life have to make peace with God. And when you make peace with God and you come to Him by faith, putting your trust in Him, you become His child, He becomes your Father, and He gives you the marvelous privilege that believers in this room have of going before the throne of the God of the universe, not as a beggar, not as a, just a transient person, but as an actual child of the King, and to lay your troubles, to lay your worries before God, knowing He's got you in His grip. But remember, in order for you to enjoy that privilege and to have that peace of God, you need to make peace with God. And peace is only found in Christ Jesus. And that's why I believe He finished this. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. What? In Christ Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you made this possible. Let me close this in prayer. Lord, I thank you uh, for this opportunity today. I thank you for each and every person in this room. I know, Lord, it's not an accident that they're here, uh, that you had uh, something to say to them today. 
I pray that you would continue to open our minds and hearts to your truth. Lord, your word never comes back void. And I pray, God, you would give uh, us insight, wisdom, how to apply this to our lives. And Father, I pray that if there's anyone here who does not know you as their personal Savior, Lord, that they would take the next step forward, put their trust completely in you, and enjoy, Lord, being your child and having you as their Heavenly Father. Thank you for this beautiful day you've given us. We thank you for your leadership and your guidance this week as we go about our business. In Jesus' name, amen.